Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week we talk with Chris McKenna from Covenant Eyes. Our conversation is about the still relevant issue of pornography. What I've essentially done is chemically trained my brain to bond to the porn in the same way that it was designed to bond with a person. The brain is amoral. It does not discern between that's a good bonding or a bad bonding. It responds to stimuli and sets off a cascade of chemicals and neurotransmitters accordingly. Hey, you're listening to In Doubt, and I'm Isaac, your host. Now, before we get into the conversation today, I wanted to remind you all about our In Doubt Summer Guide, 19 Ways to Have a Better Summer. Uh, pretty much what we did at In Doubt was create a list of 19 challenges or activities that had to do with culture, faith, or just better living, and we posted them for anyone to do. So to share one of them, number 10 is this, grab some friends, pick an album, and have a listening party. You know, so everyone has the lyrics of every song in front of them, and they're reading along as the music goes. I did this a few years ago now, and it's just really fun to see how it actually works out. You know, at first glance, maybe it sounds boring, but again, really, really fun. So you can find our Indout Summer Guide by clicking on articles at indout.ca if you live in Canada, or indout.com if you live in the States. Anyways, this week we talk with Chris McKenna, as I already said. He's from Covenant Eyes and Protect Young Eyes, organizations that really deal with safe tech use, but also deal a lot with, you know, protection and help, uh, either proactive or reactive uh, sort of effects to pornography. Now, as you know, we're, we're getting into a subject, pornography, uh, that needs to be talked about, okay? This is an epidemic around our, our nation, around the world, really. But we also know uh, and in doubt that, you know, many people haven't necessarily struggled with this. Even though this conversation with Chris is very professional and serious, I should say a small caution that we will be talking about pornography and its effects mentally, sexually, relationally, and spiritually. So just wanted to make that known to you before you listened. Anyways, here's my important conversation with Chris McKenna. With me today is Chris McKenna. Chris is the Educational Resource Manager for Covenant Eyes. And I don't know if you've heard of Covenant Eyes, but anyways, we'll probably get into that in a little bit. And he's also the creator of Protect Young Eyes. So it's great to be with you today, Chris. Isaac, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, why don't you just first tell us uh, a little bit about uh, who you are, kind of where you're from, uh, also how you met how you met Christ. Be awesome. Sure. So um, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If your audience is familiar, kind of geographically with with where that's at, I've been in Michigan my entire life. Okay. And I grew up in a, a very religious home, but it wasn't until I went to college at a university there in Michigan through. A very powerful experience um, that the Lord truly grabbed my heart, mm. and in a moment that I can only partially describe because there aren't words for it. I heard the words "You are mine," and from that point forward, albeit very imperfectly, <laughs> felt very much that um, I had been claimed. Mm. Um, in fact, you would see on my right wrist um, the tattoo of 1 Corinthians 6.20 that I was bought for a price that I was paid for um, with his life. And so I'm wanting to be reminded of that often of his awesome sacrifice. And so that was back in my early 20s. Okay. And now 20 years later, still feel that I have much to discover. And there's a uh, just a constant desire for more. So I guess that 
it's as quickly as I can summarize 43 years <laughs> oh, that's good. for yeah. you there in terms of faith. Um, and, you know, have recently really <laughs> the, the two roles that I have today at both Covenant Eyes and Protect Young Eyes, when I look at my professional career, are two that I have not been doing for very long hmm. because they are neither of them being things that I ever expected to be spending time on as a double major in accountancy and Spanish. Oh, wow. Which are, of course, not related to either of the roles that I have today, but that is a whole separate conversation that, you know, maybe we'll um, sort of organically uncover as we continue to talk here. So, Sure. Yeah, definitely. But um, you mentioned Covenant Eyes and Protect Young Eyes. So, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure people would be, if they were familiar with one of the two, they'd be familiar with Covenant Eyes. It's been around for for a while. So why don't you just tell us just briefly what Covenant Eyes is and then also uh, Protect Young Eyes, which I I think was just created a few few years ago now. That's right. It's two years old. It's as a result of Protect Young Eyes that um, I'm here in my role at Covenant Eyes. But Mm. personally, I discovered Covenant Eyes as one of a few resources that helped educate me on my own pull um, towards pornography as I was consuming that for a good part of my adult life. Mm. And Covenant Eyes was part of the solution, one of the tools that I was able to put in my belt um, along with um, just openness and accountability and relationship in order to um, leave that issue behind. Although I would say in This is just being totally honest in the hopes that people in your audience might relate to this. I would, I no longer identify myself as a porn addict. Mm. I am somebody who understands what that addiction looks like having put it in my past. But I was telling a friend the other day, I feel like it is an issue that tailgates me. Mm. Meaning, I think that many Christians can speak in freedom and victory over things, and yet, The enemy will select one or two things and go out of his way to remind us, poke us, prod us in those places. And I find that that is a place where I am constantly needing to be vigilant in order to keep myself sexually pure with what I see and what I think about. And so I guess I would just offer to anybody in your audience that if you find yourself in that spot, know that you're in good company and that there is still... Uh, freedom, I, I think, in that, in turning some of that misery into ministry, right. and I think God can do that in some powerful ways. Yeah, that's good. Um, but you know, Covenant Eyes has been around for 16 years. We are an organization. I, I describe it in this way to kind of explain protect young eyes and covenant eyes covenant eyes is an organization that looks for people that are floating in the river of sin and temptation with their hands up, whether they are a traumatized spouse mm. or uh, a man. And more frequently now, woman who is trapped in addiction with her arms up saying, I know I need help, help me. And mm. we love to throw life preservers out and ropes out to people in that situation to say, okay, we can help. On the other hand, Protect Young Eyes, we like to live a little further upstream with our hands out towards families and kids saying, don't get in the water. Right. There is an awesome way to use technology but do not get in the water in these specific places, whether right. it's through certain social media or obviously pornography and other ways that technology can be abused. And so that's the way that I describe both of those, yeah. which are both absolutely necessary yeah. given the digital world that we live in, but they tend to complement each other very yeah. well. well. That's that's awesome. 
Uh, I want I want to get into a little bit more of that a little bit later on near the end. Uh, some advice, technology kind of use type uh, advice uh, that you could kind of give us. But before we get there, I kind of want to look at uh, pornography. Um, I could be wrong, Chris, uh, but it, I don't know. It, it seems to me that the topic and the issue of pornography for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it seems like it was taken from being completely hidden to, you know, revealed different organizations like Covenant Eyes and Triple X Church and all these different things really made a push to make it known that this is a real issue going on. And it seemed the door kind of seemed to be open for churches to talk about it. Um, but just a really kind of straightforward question from what you see, Chris, in the North American church, is porn still a sort of a taboo topic? It's better and yet still taboo. Okay. So <laughs> it's still on the list of topics that a pastor would probably prefer to not have to talk about. Right. And we see this play out statistically. I mean, Barna would show us that... Um, and we recently surveyed an audience of multiple thousands of people, and 99.8% of the people that responded to a survey asking them about the church's role in educating the congregation said, yes, the church needs to be a primary um, contributor to educating and helping its people live with integrity online. Wow. What Barna found in 2016 through their unbelievable study, The Porn Phenomenon, mm. is that only 7% of churches have a program. So you have oh, this wow. chasm that exists between the needs of the people and the programs that exist. And I, I don't even necessarily fault pastors for that. They weren't educated. They weren't equipped. There are very few pastors who have the right tools to even have this conversation in a very mm. dark, lonely, hopeless, um, hard spot to talk about. Yeah. And so, you know, to try to bridge that chasm, Covenant Eyes has been working really hard over the past 12 months to create a model where we come alongside churches to help them create a campaign for integrity, mm. to create this sort of groundswell of let's all do this together. That's really what we were founded on is yeah. that everything out in the light, everything we do together, things in relationship often get fixed. Yeah. The enemy wins one-on-one -on -one in dark, lonely places. Yeah. He does. Yeah. And you're fooling yourself if you think otherwise. And so our mission has been to um, help individuals and now more recently organizations create a culture of openness and accountability where we can have victory. Very cool. That's awesome, Chris. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now, can you, can you just refresh and, and remind us um, of some of the hard facts and stats on, uh, on pornography use and, and sort of the business of it as well? Yeah, boy, the numbers are just staggering. When you just look at the World Wide Web, I'll, I'll give you one example. Sure. The, the, the largest pornographic website on the World Wide Web is owned by the same parent company. If you were to Google them, they would look like a very innocent SEO IT consulting company, but they are a private organization that privately owns every large pornography website on the World Wide Web. Every year they publish statistics, much like a public organization in the United States would publish an annual report on right. their business operations, they publish an annual report of porn consumption. For the year 2016, there were over 4,500 
centuries of time watching pornography. So what is that? <laughs> what is that? Centuries of time. That's over 4 billion hours. So you think about, if you break that down into centuries, over 4,000 centuries of time was spent watching oh my porn. Right? So the, the numbers are mind-boggling for one website for one year that wow. human beings are consuming an unbelievably large amount of pornography. Yeah. And so, you know, we find that more and more, it's young people that 41% of teenagers who would say they have strong faith periodically look at pornography. That's multiple times a month. One in seven women, adult women, would say that they view pornography at least once a month. And and so, you know, it, the, the numbers are just one side of it. We, yeah. we, we, we know that there is a human being that's attached to, to every single one of those. Yes. And all the stats just point to the fact that we need to do something, that this is a, a growing concern at all levels, all the way down to young people. What I'll just share quickly yep. is that, and I get this on both sides, whether it's through the Covenant Eyes hat or the Protect Young Eyes hat, but recently I had some conversations with an organization in Grand Rapids that does counseling for families that are dealing with sexual abuse. Mm. And they deal predominantly with helping to counsel children who are recovering from sexual abuse, either as the perpetrator or the victim, both mm -hmm. sides of that. The greatest issue that they see bubbling up among kids right now in their office is peer-on-peer -peer sexual abuse. We often think that if a child is sexually abused, it has to be an uncle or, an, uh, or somebody, an adult, right. that has done this to the child. What is happening more frequently is peer-on-peer -peer sexual abuse. And the primary, by far, the number one contributor to that is childhood exposure to pornography wow. because we know this. If you're a parent, you know this. Whatever children see is what they try to do. Right. This is why they're so good. This is why they mo we model as parents, and they sometimes pick up traits we don't want them to, but they do what they see. Therefore, right. if a child is exposed even periodically but certainly those that are exposed frequently to pornography at a very young age. Mm. It's not that they're bad kids doing bad things. It's just that their brain is telling them, do what you've seen. And so they practice it on other kids. Wow. That's one of the more heartbreaking yeah. realities that we're finding with the amount of pornography that's out there and how easily accessible it is. Yeah, that's that's incredible, Chris. Um, now, it, it's been said, uh, and I mean, we could go so, like, every one of these questions, I mean, there's so much to say. So this is like a shotgun approach just for our listeners to know. Um, you know, it's been said that, you know, porn addiction uh, can be difficult to to overcome lies from the enemy. Lots lots of stuff goes on. But I want to ask you specifically, what kind of goes on um, mentally in the in the average man or woman when they, they watch and, and they become addicted to porn? I know Covenant Eyes has done a study on this as well. Mm, yeah. You know, when it comes to porn addiction, it is, well, I, I mean, I'm not just going to let them get away with the cop-out of it's my brain, it's neurology, I can't help it. Right. There is almost always some sort of intimacy disorder, something mm. in the relational side. If you peel back the onion far enough, right. that is going to be a core uh, sort of source 
to what manifests itself later as a porn addiction that I'm using to feed some lacking that I feel somewhere else. But, mm. you know, you know, so th- that's a whole a part of this, but yeah. Later on, you know, you know, there are things neurologically that go on to just solidify and to create this crazy cycle whereby as created beings, God created us to desire sex. It's a super stimuli in our brain that was designed not only relationally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally, but physiologically designed to bind me to my spouse in a one plus one equals one in God's math relationship, right? right? Yeah. There's something neurological that goes on when I experience sexual intimacy with my wife. Right. The problem with pornography neurologically is that it mimics that exact same reward pathway, especially if I am self-stimulating during that viewing of pornography. What I've essentially done is chemically trained my brain to bond to the porn in the same way that it was designed to bond with a person. The brain is amoral. It does not discern between that's a good bonding or a bad bonding. Mm. It responds to stimuli and sets off a cascade of chemicals and neurotransmitters accordingly. So regardless of the trigger, it's going to start that set of dominoes. And so coincidentally, I'm working on an ebook right now that is titled P-I-E-D, porn-induced erectile dysfunction, meaning that we are now discovering a whole generation of young men who never created a sexual template attached to women, and instead their entire sexual template was attached to porn, who no longer find real women sexually arousing. Wow. That, yeah. That's crazy. Wow. It, it is. And there, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. We yeah. just try to paint, to paint some of the the dark edges that exist around this issue, those are some of the extremes that we find ourselves in at Covenant Eyes. Yeah, and, you know, I appreciate you sharing some of the details of it because I think from the outset, you know, a lot of people, maybe a little bit naive, may look at it, including myself too, may look at it and be like, oh, yeah, it's a dangerous thing. And, you know, they know some things about it, but it's like, oh, we got to stop doing that. But what you've just shared too, it's, it's it's deep. It, there's a deep issue going on, and I, I I do appreciate you, do appreciate you sharing that, Chris. Um, in in your experience, and you touched on a little bit with the idea of being created in the image of God, but in your experience researching all this stuff, speaking to many people, um, what kinds of spiritual ramifications are there for watching pornography? Well, there's relational ruptures. I mean, you think about we were we were designed as whole body beings. You cannot separate the sexual from the physical, from the emotional, from the relational. These Mm -hmm. are, we are created in the image of God, one body. I mean, mind, body, spirit, all of these things are interconnected. And so having been there, it's very easy to believe the lie that while watching pornography, I'm not hurting anybody, right? Yeah. And then you step back and you think about, oh my gosh, What victimization is happening to the person on the screen that I'm watching? Right. What are the funds that are behind the website that I'm watching with my clicks being used towards some exploitation or abuse of children, whatever it might be? I've had stories of men who have told me that even though I know for a fact, Chris, none of my children knew 
that I was addicted to porn, as soon as I quit, my relationship with them changed. I had one man tell me that for the first time in her 11 years that his daughter started sitting on his lap. Wow. And those seem like little, maybe unrelated things, but I, and I'm, I think you would agree that there are, there are unseen ruptures that occur relationally when we are abusing that part of our design yeah. as created beings. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about there, yeah. but I guess that just the overall takeaway is that there is always a victim, not just the person watching it and how they're disrupting their own neurology, as we talked about already, but there's always collateral damage mm-hmm. that sits all around like a, uh, fallout from a nuclear bomb that sits around anybody who's watching pornography in an addictive manner. Yeah, that's good. And just to, like you said, break that lie from the enemy that you are just, this is just about you alone. You know, you're not affecting anybody else. And I think that's good to break that lie. And if I could, I, yeah. I just want to add one thing because I think there's sometimes an objection that I hear from people through our blog to say, well, there are women who choose that, right? I mean, how can you right. say it's wrong? There's a woman who said maybe she's she's totally fine, but she has chosen sure. to make good by, to make good money by going into the field of pornography and film. And I believe it was Matt Frad, he's a Catholic apologist, who said, and, and I'll, I'll speak just in terms of men and women for just sure. a minute. As a man, even if a woman, for a period of her life, has a disoriented or a broken view of her own dignity, isn't it my responsibility as a man to uphold that for her Mm. and to pray for her and to not enable and support and be um, a a better in that? Isn't it my job to care for her soul too? That's good. And when I I heard him say that, I was like, wow, I mean, that just uh, just crushes every one of those objections, you know, to say... We got to stand up. When someone doesn't know they're hurting, isn't it our job to pray for them and to care for them in the midst of their hurt? So I good. think the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, that's awesome, Chris. Thank you for sharing that. Um, sure. We we have only a few minutes left, but I, I really wanted to get to this question. Um, you know, you've created Protect Young Eyes, which you say is a way to equip and encourage parents and students towards responsible use of technology. So um, why don't you just broadly, for those that are maybe stuck in porn addiction right now and for those that aren't, but, you know, what sort of practical advice would you give uh, when it comes to the principles of, of technology use? Yeah, well, the first would be that as a parent, I do not believe you can lead your children in purity and responsibility online if you are not modeling it yourselves. Hmm. There is, um, I don't think it's possible to, pure, to pour purity out of a dirty cup, Hmm. And our parenting needs to model whatever behaviors we want them to. So if we think for our children, a filter or accountability like coming at eyes is good, um, then model that for them. Show them what that looks like. Um, I advertise to my 12-year-old daughter when I'm going to speak to my accountability partner. I want her to know that that's an important part of my life and why I do it so that she understands that our family exhibits a culture of openness and transparency and accountability I want her to know that as uh, something that applies to all of us. And so I think that's a that's one of our eight strategies that we teach to parents in Protect Young Eyes when we speak to them on creating an internet safer home. Mm. Another one that I would focus on is to have the right conversations with the right kid at the right time. Mm. 
And this isn't just about porn, but every single child is wired a little bit differently. So yes, this might mean that in your house you have different rules for different kids in the same house, but that's because God created them differently. Right. But you cannot delegate awkward conversations in the digital age. Right. Yeah. Therefore, you must look your children in the eye and talk to them about all the things that nobody ever talked to you about as a parent. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Because if mom and dad do not engage, Dr. Google will, and his office hours are 24-7. Therefore, if you don't know how to have those conversations, then find a tool that will help you do it. And so a lot of the time in the 90-minute talk that we do with parents through Protect Young Eyes is I find myself more in a position of teaching them how to parent in the digital age, (laughs) albeit from a very imperfect parent myself, but teaching them how we can parent more effectively in the digital age compared to how where we were parented. And I come from a, a Gen X, as we say, generation, a little more passively parented. Right. And therefore, that is not, that, that is just not feasible in the digital age because there are so many competing media voices for the hearts and minds of our kids. Yeah, that's, that's good, Chris. Um, that, that does wrap up our time. Um, I would love to have you again on the show to talk about something a little bit more detail as well. Uh, but I just wanted to say thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, for listeners listening, uh, you can learn more about Covenant Eyes uh, by heading to covenanteyes.com. Uh, you can also check out Protect Young Eyes, which, you know, Chris has been talking about throughout this uh, conversation at protectyoungeyes.com. Anyways, thank you again, Chris, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You're welcome, Isaac. Take care. That was Chris McKenna from Covenant Eyes. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. You can message us on Facebook. You can message us on Twitter and Instagram. We're a community here, like I said last week, and we want you to be a part of it. You know, we also love to hear what you're kind of going through, what you're thinking about, what you're studying in school. You know, maybe a professor mentioned something about faith or culture or whatever, and it just sort of piqued your interest. Or maybe a friend or family member when you were hanging out, uh, you know, last night or two nights ago or whenever, they mentioned something really interesting. Well, let us know what that is. Is, and maybe we can even talk about it on the on the show. Also, if in doubt is a ministry which isn't just this audio show. You know, we also have articles online that dig into uh, issues deeper. We have Bible study projects like our Jude for the Faith. We have live events that are streamed. All these different things. If in doubt has impacted you in whatever way, I'd love for you to prayerfully consider donating to this initiative. You know, this stuff uh, costs money. And, you know, we're supported solely on people who believe in our in our mission and our vision. And our mission, just to remind you, is to bring the gospel into the relevant issues of life and faith that we face every single day uh, to cultivate conversation. So you can do that just by clicking the donate button and following the instructions at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Also, if you enjoyed today's conversation with Chris, I'd encourage you to check out our site and kind of sift back to see our other conversations. You know, this year, uh, we've been able to talk with Tim Mackey from The Bible Project, uh, David Mathis from Desiring God, uh, Tony Marita, Trevin Wax, just a host of other people, Marcy Preheim as well. Again, our intention is to really bring the gospel into these different topics, which I just talked about, uh, with these sort of experts in the faith and in culture. 
Anyways, before we wrap up here, I just wanted to remind you one more time about our uh, in-doubt summer guide, 19 ways to have a better summer, which can be accessed online by clicking articles. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we talk with Dr. Bob Cutillo on a Christian worldview of health. Ministries exist to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indo.ca if you live in Canada and indo.com if you live in the U.S.